All right, welcome to another edition of the Rock Stops here. What's happening, man? Oh, man, 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 oh, man. Football season is just moving along way too fast. Trying to enjoy every single day and day of game. My God. Slow down. Halloween is in the books. Boom. Now we're on to getting ready for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, man. The holidays are just right here around the corner. Unbelievable. All right. Who do I have on the Rock Stops here today? I have a friend of mine. I have been a media colleague of this gentleman for over 25 years. Yeah. No, seriously. T.J. Reeves. T.J. Reeves. What do they say? Uh, if you imitate someone, it's the it's a form of flattery. We used to always do that. T.J. Reeves, he's been a broadcaster now for a long time out of Tampa Bay. He is known as Buck Sideline Guy on the Buccaneers Radio Network. He patrols the sidelines for Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore. Uh, giving them information, what's going on, what he's seeing, obviously injury reports. He does his pregame on the Buccaneer Radio Network. And then, of course, at halftime, he gets the head coach. Two questions real quick. And then he's in the locker room after every game, live, win or lose. He talks about that here on the Rock Stops here. He used to be and did and still does. He hosts. He does play-by-play. does a lot of college play-by-play. Um, and he's very good at that. Good as a talk show host. But Buck Sideline Guy. So without further ado, then I'm going to hit you up on another friend of mine in the media, Jeff Zito. Ranked his top Buccaneer quarterbacks. I want to also get into when you cover a team and you cover players and you're there on a daily basis, what that's like when that particular player that you might like, that coach that you like, is not doing good. And you got to call it like it is. But with human nature and this and that, I got a couple of examples, some stories. I'll do that after TJ, but let's bring him in. Here he is, Buck, sideline guy, my man, TJ Reeves. All right, I am with T.J. Reeves. T.J. Reeves, he is uh, 20 years, 20 years patrolling the sidelines. Oh, my God. Did you ever think when you got the gig that 20 years later you would still be doing this job? You are making me feel old. No, whenever you start something like that, whether you're talking about a work relationship, talking about marriage, talking about teaching school, playing for a team, whatever, I don't think you're thinking about five years, much less 10 years, much less 20, but it's been interesting. Been a lot of different different head coaches, a lot of different roster turnover, crazy things that have happened. So it's been a blast. And, and I know you've been around. I've been around. It's just interesting to see all of the different coaching staffs, players, everybody cycle through. It's different every year, really. So it's it's something new every year. But I don't I don't look at it as having done it that long. I just look at it as uh, something that's fun that I've enjoyed. And, and then when I think back on it, I think, wait a minute, I've been doing this going going on 20 years now now i remember you very successful talk show host not only in the tampa bay area but also nationally and i know you've still done that over the years but how did it come about these jobs they're so hard to get there's only you know 30 spots how how did this come about very interesting because i had done a lot of work talk shows, pre-game, post-game, in and around the Buccaneers, they were aware of what I could do. And then when the team became 
essentially it became a team decision and uh, they, they had the final say in what announcers they wanted to use. They approached me and said, we would love to have you as part of the game broadcast and to do radio shows and other ventures online, et cetera, for the team. So it's really a relationship that developed probably from the time the Glazers bought the team in the mid-90s. I remember still, and you remember this back in the sports radio days, I had Brian and Joel in the radio studio, studio with me for two hours taking calls. The first year they had bought the team with Sam White as the coach before they made the move to Tony Dungy the following year. So the relationship with them started 28 years ago. My Lord, we're getting old. 28 years ago, it started with them, and it kind of evolved from there. But you're right. I was a talk show host. I've done play-by-play a bunch, and then I've had these different roles with the team. So I've had a diverse career. Maybe I have too many hats. That's better than not having enough hats, Rock Riley. What do you think? What is the number? I'm sure there's a lot of things that you have learned over the 20 years of doing this job, what you didn't know when you first got it. Is there one thing that stands out to you? that you have learned that you did not know, man, when you first started? So so part of it is you have to know your role, and your role is not that of the media. I'm not a beat writer. I'm not somebody on TV or on the five-day-a-week sports radio. I'm different in that regard. In some ways, I'm compromised. In some ways, I am slanted or biased towards the team. So you have a different mentality. You have a different apo- approach, especially after the game uh, with players. Uh, for example, I have dealt with numerous head coaches and numerous quarterbacks. Most of them get it. Most of them understand when you see TJ, that's not the media. He's going to ask you two or three probably fairly benign things. Give him the answers, especially after a loss, and he's gone. This is not a 15-minute thing. So I learned that right away. The next thing that I learned uh, about this is these guys are paid professionals. This is their living, and in a lot of cases, their contract extension, their money is tied to how they do. And at the same time, you see competitors who forget about the money. They just want to win. They've been making money. Forget about the money. Do we think three years ago that Levante David and Mike Evans and the guys that had been around on this team and in this situation through all that losing really cared about making another $5 million, $10 million, or $15 million? Or did they want to win? Did they want to win a Super Bowl? So I think the thing I began to understand better is how important it is for their livelihood that they do well, how important it is for their status, yes, but how they're going to be remembered for a team, by the league, whatever. You get a greater appreciation when you're around it a lot closer. They really do care. For the fans that think, oh, they go home, they don't care. They care. They care. The, the, the good ones, the real ones, they care immensely about how they're going to be remembered and whether they're part of a winning team. I mean, Levante David played here for eight years on basically – Seven of the eight, I think, were losing seasons. The only way he was getting to the playoffs is if he bought a ticket or watched on TV. So now you feel great for him that he's gotten to experience this, but you see how much it means to a guy like him to win and how he's going to be remembered as part of winning. So I have a greater appreciation for that. in this. You have also, like I said, you've done, I know you've done a lot of play-by-play on the college level. You've done all different, a lot of basketball, a lot of football. I know you're a boxing guy. you got a lot of different things, but there's been times where you've been called in 
with Gene, the and you stepped in and do NFL play-by-play and didn't know you were going to do it. What was that experience like? And thank God you had so much experience doing play-by-play. Well, and thank you for that. And so on a couple of occasions, it's been no notice because of travel situations with Florida State. It's like he can't get here. You're going to stay here until he can get here. Call the game. In the case of the one a couple of years ago, unfortunately, he had tested positive for COVID-19 during the restricted time. And so had Dave Moore, the analyst. And I knew that on Friday afternoon. I knew they're both COVID-19 positive. They can't do the game. Oh, by the way, don't say anything to anybody. We're not saying anything until Sunday right before the game that they're not here. They're not doing the game. So I had a couple of days notice in that instance. Uh, And you talk about big shoes to fill. Uh, You're like filling uh, Shaquille O'Neal's shoes. You're filling Bozo the Clown's shoes when you're filling in for Gene. But yeah, it's, it's been a privilege to be part of this and around this. And if I'm called upon, I will do it. I get to do a lot of freelance play-by-play in college football and basketball. It's something that I love to do. Um, And I I like to think that some people have appreciated what I've done. I did the University of South Florida for 10 years on a radio, and a lot of people still know me for that. and remember me from Bulls basketball and rock. I haven't done that for 15 years, but a lot of people remember uh, what you've gotten to do. So uh, I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. I don't take it too seriously. You take it seriously enough, but I don't take it too seriously, and I think that comes through. Couple more. You have got a really hard job when a team is losing, and you gotta go in there. And there's commercials and time, and you gotta you gotta get some questions and answers. That's hard. And you also have to think quick on your feet. You gotta be a. You gotta check the mood and who's gonna be able to talk. That's that's not easy, man. No, and you're right that they don't pay me whatever we get paid for for the wins. Everybody, Rock, can do the winning locker room. They pay you for the losing locker room. And unfortunately, it's been way too much losing over the course of the 20 years. But generally speaking, I have to compliment the players get it. They understand it. They see me. They know I'm not going to be there very long. The two things I will do is I will come up to them before we're on and say, do you mind if I talk to you? That's the first thing after a loss. Because generally speaking, the media is not in there yet. So the first thing is I ask permission. The second thing is I will say to them, this is not going to be long and this is nothing difficult. This is not me saying, how in the world did you drop that pass that could have won the game? You're never going to hear that from me. You're going to hear that from others that are asking the questions, but you're not going to hear that from me. So you're right. In that regard, you're paid for the losing locker room. In this role, and and it's difficult when you lose. Uh, We've done a lot of winning the last three years, which makes it easier. I'm ready for whatever, but it it is fascinating. It is like a high wire act because you only have about 25 minutes, especially on the road. Our our guys are trying to disassemble the equipment, get downstairs, and we're trying to get to the team plane. Well, the only way that happens is if you're off the air. So you got about 25 minutes to do the post-game show and get the best three or four things and the head coach combined that you can get. Um, And and again, in a losing situation, you got to know how to handle that. That's years of experience. Being a professional, I had to do it with Baker Mayfield at the time that we're doing this last week. He and I are just getting to know each other. He was upset in the press conference room. You heard that with the questions. I talked to him right after that, and I said, I said to him, I understand this will be quick, and it will not be difficult questions. He got it, and there we go. I roll. I do my, my 90 seconds, my, my two minutes. And I'm done and I'm gone. So handling that's another challenge. But by and large, 90% probably of the guys and the coaches get it. I'm in a different role. He's here. He's going to ask two or three questions and he's gone. And if I've done well, there's there's usually not a disturbance or any big deal. 
last two. When you got to get the coach and you have no time, you have to get it quick. Do you already have one or two? I'm going to hit them on this. Yes. Maybe there is a follow-up, but boy, you hardly have a chance. That's kind of tough and it's got to so, be quick. So live at the half, yes. You get two questions and you better be ready to go. What happened with this play? What are you saying to him at halftime? And then after the game, it's usually about three minutes and you're going to get like four or five questions. Significant play in the game. Is somebody hurt? Ask him who he, who he liked, who stood out, who he liked, win or lose. Who did you like in this game? Maybe something about the next opponent and you're right you're gone you're gone and uh, and on to the next one especially on the road again for the fans a little behind the scenes you're trying to scramble and make the plane you can't stay there for an hour after the game you got to get it done all right you last one you made it to the top you made it to the nfl what's your what's your what's your piece of advice man what's your biggest piece of advice on don't, on to be successful don't give up on networking and shooting for dreams and goals i think that's huge and I think uh, just like anything else, if you do good work and you're good to people, opportunities will come. This opportunity came after I'd been in the market for 15 years before this opportunity came. So do good work, be good to people, you'll get opportunities, Rock Riley. And it's one of the reasons why you've sustained in this market for 30 plus years. You and I are, you and I are contemporaries in that, in that regard. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Teach. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's there's been a lot. I, I I would think as long as TJ's been doing it, there's been more losses going into locker rooms after games to try to get players to talk than there have been wins. I I didn't uh, ask him that record, but just you know, there's been some bad, bad, bad football, man, and that is not easy. And that's another thing that he made a good point. I think a lot of fans don't understand. He is with. He's paid by the Buck Buccaneer Radio Network. He can't be real critical. You can't. They're going to get rid of him. There's plenty of other places to get. So as he even said, that kind of handcuffs him. He does his best when he goes as a guest on different shows, radio shows, podcasts. But again, he's got to be careful because he wants to keep that gig. He also is really good at play-by-play, and the times that he has had to fill in for Gene Deckerhoff, a lot of times, like, there's no, you know, no preparation. He didn't know Gene might have got there late, and he does a good job. I would hope that when Gene Deckerhoff retires as the voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that they would, they would, uh, they would strongly consider and give tj that opportunity because he's been there he knows the team he's been with the organization he's been with the buccaneer radio network so long he's got a great voice good delivery that's what he does so i would hope that he would get that game we just never know you never know how management and ownership's gonna go but again he's he's paid his dues <laughs> and i would hope and then i would hope i would be the sideline guy so put a good word for me now nah, tj reeves thanks man he i, I uh, let me tell you a little story so let's go way back, way back, 25 years ago, at least. I was at 970 WFLA doing reports, anchoring little updates, giving Ted Webb, who has since passed away, Jack Harris, Ted Webb, the morning show, giving him sound, as they say, uh, for his morning sportscast. And then... The all sports station was going to start 620 WDAE. We actually were on 1250 when we started. And it was Chris Thomas who was on TV in Tampa Bay. Very opinionated, very good, very entertaining. 
Steve Dumig, uh, The Big Dog, Afternoon Drive, a couple different shows, you know, here and there, some national stuff. And TJ was on a competing smaller place. And the, the head guy, and I was a reporter. I started out as a reporter on the All Sports Station. No, no, no. And then, you know, I started to report it, but actually I did the mornings with the, with, with a gentleman that has since passed away. God dang, Brad James. He and I did the morning show. That's right, right in the beginning. But anyway, so Gabe Hobbs was our boss, and he was very good at, boy, he knew talk radio, talk radio, sports talk radio. He went on to bigger and better things. He had, he was in charge of so many stations around the country, and he got T.J. Reeves, from, if I have it right, T.J., he was instrumental in getting T.J. a national gig. I believe it might have been on Prime Sports at the time. I, I believe it was in Texas. It might have been in Dallas. But he did that so that T.J. wouldn't be a competitor in the Tampa Bay market to WDAE. They already had their talk show host, and he wanted to get TJ out, so he was able to get him because he had all his connections. But anyway, it's just so many, so many years, so many, so many stories, and like TJ is still doing it. I and I appreciate going on his podcast on the Buccaneers uh, last week or whatever. So anyway, continued success. I hope you get the gig when Gene retires. Now, I I thought about this because <sighs> covering a team. When you cover a team, I don't mean the way it is now a lot in 2023, 2024 here. You can be in a different state. Hell, you can be in a different country. You just get all your information off the internet, and then you're on the Lockdown Podcast, or you're on, uh, you know, whatever it is, is SI or whatever, and, like, you're not even there. You don't go there. That I don't understand how you can be a beat reporter and not be at the facility. Not, you know, look around, find out, talk to people, see what's going on. So anyway, I go to the Bucks. I go to the Rays. I'm now starting to go back in to the Lightning. And when you're there all the time, it's human nature. Good guys are good guys. Coaches or players and that's why you gotta, if you are covering a team, you gotta try not to be too buddy-buddy. You can't. Because what's going to happen when they have a bad game? What's happening when they're not pulling their weight anymore? What's happening when they it's looking like they're going to be replaced? What happens? You know, you, you as a reporter, you got to call it like it is. And so that's why I've ne I've tried not to get too close, but human nature. And I was just thinking about it, like former coaches, for example, Tony Dungy. I had so much respect for him, but the offense was just not executing. It was all defense. They needed that spark, you know. And and it was you know, um, going way way back when I first got to Tampa Bay, Sam Weish. He wrote myself and Whitney Johnson on a card and mailed it to the station, thanking us for being pros and our coverage and this and that. I really had a lot of respect for Sam Weish. Good man, but it wasn't working at the end. Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, I went to the NFL owners meetings in Phoenix, Arizona this year. He sat down with me in the lobby 7 o'clock in the morning or 730 
Couldn't have been nicer. I told him, I said, Todd, you do a good job with the media. He goes, you know what, man? Media reporters have opinions. All I ask is that they're fair. And 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 I like them. But, hey, if the team isn't getting it done, you got to call it like it is. You know, NFL, not for long. What made me think about all of this was last week, here we go. You know, the Bucks have been struggling, Baker Mayfield, and here come the Kyle Trask. Now, listen, I, hey, maybe Kyle Trask will be good. Maybe he will be better. At this point with the offense that they have, and again, and this Rock Stops Your Podcast, I do not like to get in X's and O's because I want audience, I want you guys from all over. I don't want it to just be Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Rays, Lightning fans, but... When Mayfield is, you know, okay, here we go. Gator fans, it uh, the majority of Gator fans, it's like it's blinders on. It's like Kyle Trask is the savior. And I don't mind you having that opinion. Or, okay, hey, it's time for a change. Why not see what Trask can do? No problem. We can go back and forth. Debate is good. Can't expect everybody to agree with you. But, man, I had one guy, he just annoyed me so much as a Gators fan. He's on my Facebook page. I don't know him at all. And, you know, trash, 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 trash. Okay. Baker Mayfield wins the job. Baker Mayfield starts out good. Look at his third down conversion. The Bucks were 3-1. and one. I don't hear from this guy at all. Once Baker Mayfield loses, oh, he sucks. Trask should get in. I haven't heard from you, you know. And I and if Trask was a a Florida State Seminole, you know, would you be so much? Just admit it. You're a Gator fan, and you believe that Trask because he's a Gator. You're a Gator through and through. He wants to win, but this guy was obnoxious. And then he and I let him go. Like I'm like I'm trying not to block him, and I even say, and then. Oh, the third law. First thing in the morning, soon as I wake up, another L. And he's supposed to be a Bucks fan. Three exclamation points. Here we go with Trask again. I finally couldn't. And, I, and I'm so nice. I don't know why I should get caught up in this. This one guy is just really bothering me. I don't hear from you at all, man. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna. You're the most annoying guy on my page. I don't want to see you anymore in your post. You're just too annoying. But I'll let you have your last say. Go at it. Seven hours. I wait. I don't see it. But yet he's still commenting about Trask on other things. I'm finally like, I block him. Another guy said, take your ass back to New Jersey. Like, who are you, man? You're on my page. Like, you know, some people say don't block anybody. Screw you, man. I I can't take it. I don't mind debate. We're going to have differing opinions. But it just drives me crazy. Like, and here's the thing. I'm not. It's not like I grew up a Gators fan. Okay. I came down here. I'm from New Jersey. I lived in Denver, Colorado, suburb of Denver for a couple of years. Drove from Littleton, Colorado in a pickup truck, pulling a trailer to Tampa to start my career at in radio in Tampa. And I've been here almost 30 years now. So I didn't grow up a Gator fan, didn't grow up a Knowles fan, didn't grow up a Miami Hurricane fan. USF started. I was hoping that they would be good. I love to see the local team go. But, hey, if Trask is better, 
he, I'm going to call it like it is, you know? And the one thing that was a little different for me, you know, I've been a TV reporter in Tampa Bay for a long time and a radio reporter and host for a long time. And I honestly really tried to call it like it is. I really do. I don't want to get too homerish. That's no good. And when I went to, and I still work for, I do a podcast for Joe Bucks fan. Man, oh man, I got to tell you what, man. They have been so good to me, so upfront. And I think what makes them very, very successful. Oh, they got haters. You're going to have haters. What do Hulk Hogan always say? If you don't have people nipping at your heels, you ain't doing something right. If you ain't having somebody against you, you ain't you ain't doing it right. So they all oh, they got their the, the haters. But you look at their numbers. Joe Bucks fan, I'm not making this up. They get more clicks. They're right there with the the official Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization website. I think they're the only the the only independent uh, team that covers an NFL team in the country that does as well against the big staff money team itself like the Cowboys or the Giants or the Jets or the Seahawks or the Patriots you know the Bucks. it's incredible but what it is is it they tell it they are critical like it's not all homerish even though it's Joe Buck's fan Dot com, And the one thing that was hard for me in the beginning when I would go to these watch parties, and they were great. Man, you know, going back a couple of years, man, there's a lot going to these watch parties or a draft party. They had big fan support. And it was kind of neat to actually be there. But I would find myself strange, like high-fiving and this and that because I had been a reporter that called it straight for so many years and to kind of go over to the fandom side a little bit at these watch parties, it was a little bit of an adjustment. But in the end, I think if you're fair, I think it's like that in life. If you're just honest and fair, I don't see, go ahead. You got somebody against me? God, there's people that don't like me. Oh, he's too nice of a guy. Oh, this and that. Whatever, man. Whatever. But at least if you're fair, you know what I mean? And that's that. But I just had to get it off my chest. It was just driving me crazy. The gator, like with the blinders. And I'm like, if if Kyle Trask was a null, would you be, do you really think he is that good? He is that good? He's unproven. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. That's how I look at it. You know? No, and he didn't. Oh, you know he won the quarterback battle. No, he didn't. He he was good for a week or two. Yes, he was better then than Baker Mayfield. Mayfield had more experience to go with that to start it. But just it just drives me crazy. Just and they don't want to hear it and they oh my God, and I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Now, again, I've said this so many times. I'm there. I'm at the facility. I watch practice. I interview players. I'm in the locker room. I'm at all the press conferences. I talk to those that work in the building. And yet Joe Fan comes at me with they don't want to hear it. They are right. Where does this confidence come from? Blows me away. I don't have, look at, I, I, I'm not a plumber. Okay? Uh, I'm not a landscaper. 
I might have my opinion, opinion, and if a landscaper tells me, no, look, this plant is native to Florida, this plant won't take that much water, you got chinch bugs, no, they, no, I don't, no, that's plant, no, you're wrong, like, who am I, it, where does that confidence come from, it blows me away, blows me away, now, something else, I, I, I'm going to give a little plug to my guy, another friend of mine, Jeff Zito, he is afternoon drive on a rock station, Classic Rock in Tampa Bay, 98.7 The Shark. I worked with Jeff briefly when they tried to do a sports station at 98.7. And it didn't work. There was no team. You got to have at least one anchor. Like, you got to, man. Anyway, but Jeff, I like Jeff. Jeff is a, he's a legend in Fort Myers. He had, he had a rock, rock talk show very successful with another guy. That guy has since left us. Um, but he's been in Tampa Bay now for a little bit. And he's the PD there. And he's a good guy. I had lunch with him. Had a couple beers a couple weeks ago. Great. Great, great, great. So he tagged me and he put out his top five Buccaneer quarterbacks of all time. And it was fun. It was good. And here we go again. Here, here comes, this is me. I covered these a lot of these players, and it, it, I think it's human nature. Isn't it hard to like not put bias on what a guy might be like? So he had Brady number one. How can you argue with that? Brady came. It was during COVID. They had no preseason, no practice. He arranged to have this stuff done at Carrollwood Day, a private school. Seven o'clock in the morning, got everybody together. Here's how I want it. Here's how the receivers are going to go. Here we go. New system. First year, they win the Super Bowl. You got to be kidding me. And then they're in the playoffs. And he's here three years. Go. You got to put Brady number one. Brad Johnson got the Super Bowl done here. Won the Super Bowl. You win the Super Bowl. I'm with you. And I also like Brad. Now, he had Dilfer, I believe, number three. It's fine. We, we can argue here or there. Dilfer, Dilfer's record was 500, or I think it might even be <laughs> one. I think it was one game below, I think. Uh, anyway, but it was funny because I remember when Trent Dilfer came here to the Bucks. I was a reporter at 970 they used to have training camp at the University of Tampa UT Pepinroot Stadium I remember Dilfer came from Fresno State he was a first round pick and he was cocky okay need to be cocky but there were a few little things and he wasn't getting it done he wasn't he through somebody that I know I'm not going to say his name, was on in the meeting room. He was mocking out Sam Weish behind his back, like when Weish would be at the board and drawing up plays, and he's back there mocking. He's a rookie. He's not. He hasn't done anything yet. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I, I just remember how cocky he was, and he didn't get it done. And so, okay, is that my bias? Because he, he, he was cocky, a little bit of a cocky asshole. As a rookie, yeah, I'm human. 
<laughs> but I'm also looking at it. He did win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. You, I don't care. That was a defensive. Oh, my God. That defense on the Ravens was so good. And I can tell you this. There's a little background story. That Super Bowl, when the Ravens beat the Giants, it was the Giants, wasn't it? It was at Raymond Jane Stadium. It was in Tampa. So I was there for media day. And I wanted to make sure I was going to get up close to Dilfer. And how it works for Super Bowl media, at least it used to work like this. One team comes out, not at the same time. They have stations to set up in the stadium with a placard, a name placard, like Trent Dilfer or the head coach or another star player. They're at these big podiums. They'll sit there. And then you go lower end guys might be in the stands and they'll have like their name tags in, in a placard up there. And basically they run a clock. The team comes out and you got an hour. Go for it. Media day. And you go from group to group. You want to get some sound from this guy. And you go over here. Well, I wanted to make sure that I was first in line at Dilfer. So I stood right at the front on the side of the table. I was right there. And Dilfer came out, and at the time they were wearing their game pants, jerseys, but no shoulder pads or anything like that. And I remember being up there, because you had to take a step up, and then there's a lot that are all around reporters asking crazy questions. And I remember looking at Dilfer and going, this is surreal. He did not work out in Tampa. I didn't even know if he'd end up starting anywhere. And the Super Bowl is here in Tampa. And I'm just, look at this. And Dilfer is the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. And they won. And again, yes, it was a defense. So not here, but I, you know, you do got to give him credit there. But again, that's my my and you know what? I was like, all right, it's years later. He did it. He's here. He's here. He's going to play in this damn Super Bowl. Unfreaking believable. And once again, I still have an all time Super Bowl week story. And I don't think, I don't think I told it here. I'm not going to tell it now. It's an all, a two all, all times, but one all, all time story. If you see me out and you're cool, I will tell it to you. <laughs> okay. How about we do that? Let's, let's keep it like that. Oh my God. It's incredible. Anyway, so that's that. We got plenty of time for the Super Bowl. I'm trying to debate whether or not I should, uh, I should go to Vegas. Money's been a little tight lately spending quite a bit we'll see we'll see how it all goes oh another thing too a friend of mine jimmy pier ed went to high school with him he had on his facebook page it was a reel of lawrence taylor now for those of you that are old older like me like you know you remember lt lt holy crap you talk about getting to a quarterback he was unbelievable. And that's when I first, that was my first experience going into an NFL locker room 
was the New York Giants. I was working at a little radio station, WSUS-FM 102.3 in Sussex County, New Jersey. And no, you know what? I was past that. I was actually new. I might have been New Jersey Network because I don't think I ever had a credential. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I was up there in Sussex County, covered high school sports, did new local news. I could have probably gotten a credential, drive down to Meadowlands, you know, the Giants. Hofstra is where the Jets trained. But I didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't know. I didn't know the whole deal. But my first time ever going in a pro locker room, NFL locker room, was the Giants. Bill Parcells was the head coach, but it was Phil Sims. And yes, I was with New Jersey Network because uh, no, and I was with FNN Sports because we had a, a camera crew. I remember Phil Sims going, "Put a." We were shooting some B-roll and coming out. He's like, "You can't shoot me now." I'm like, "What are you talking about? You're just it's warm-ups." Like, no, you stop shooting me. And I was like, "Oh my god, I never experienced this before," you know. And then uh, I remember going to the locker room and he had the dangling earring, Lawrence Taylor, and he was telling the ball boy like, "I want my towels. I want this. I want that. I want to hear now." Yeah. There was a time too at that stretch where the the they practiced they had a training camp at Fairly Dickinson University. We used to call it Fairly Ridiculous. And it was one year they actually trained in Madison, New Jersey. That's my home county, Morris County. And in a bar where Lawrence Taylor was in and Oh, everybody's pointing, there's LT, and somebody went over with a uh, paper napkin, asked for an autograph, and LT wrote, like, F you. <laughs> he was, because he was doing blow, I guess, at the time, and this and that, but he was well, on the field. You, you asked Belichick, any of these guys, because Belichick was a defensive coordinator for the Giants back in the day, but you ask any of uh, those back in that day, and they will tell you that there has been nobody, nobody as good as Lawrence Taylor. Oh, my dog is just a ridiculous yapper. I cannot take it. Uh, but anyway, let me go outside here a little bit. Yeah. Do you ever notice that the the, the, the the younger dogs are the one, or the smaller dogs are the ones that yap so much? They think that they're bigger than they are. So anyway, that's it. That's about it. Let's see. Anything else I got going on here today? No, I think that's pretty good. I really want to do thank TJ Reeves. He's my guy for coming on like that. And just keep enjoying. I have a podcast on Joe Bucks fan. I say it every week. My Bucks Kiko podcast. Just enjoy every single play, every single snap, because this season is so, so, it goes by so fast. And uh, we'll do it again next week, right? What do you say? We'll do it again next week? Let's do it again next week. It is the Rock Stops Here podcast. How you made it to the top. How you doing? And we hang. All right? I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.